Why is little Uzi over in Thailand with this wild ass blowout? Talking about his name is Leslie. Bitch, what's happening in Thailand? A ping pong show. You know what? You better cut it out, bitch. And Offset is over there too. And Cardi B. Cardi the 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 damn carbs. Cardi B is over there. Offset over there dressed like Michael Jackson's son. Mm-hmm. Did you guys see um did you guys see Offset's new tattoo? He got a full back tattoo of um takeoff. Rest in peace to takeoff. I can't believe it's been so many months since he's passed away. Um but yeah. All right, fine. You are tuned in. You are tuned in to an all new episode of A Seat at the Motherfucking Table Podcast. Pop, pop, pop. I feel like my gun would be more like a. You ever seen Harlem Nights? I remember when uh, uh, Arsenio Hall's character and. And his friends, two of his friends, went and they bucked up on, uh, this is one of my favorite movies. And they bucked up on Eddie Murphy and he was hiding because they thought that Eddie had shot his brother. And his friend had that little shotgun and they had these like, expo- the, the shotgun would be me. Like, they're like, Brrr, and he's like, pop. <laughs> All right. I must admit, I have a cold right now. I don't know. I don't know if this is a cold. I don't know if this is allergies. I don't know what this is. I have no idea. What I do know is, is it's kind of annoying. It could be. I'm your hostess with the mostest, Gail. Can we talk? It's going to be one of those kind of like, let's get together. Like, you know, it's always, um, off-putting when you get a can we talk out of nowhere yeah like I don't know I just feel like you guys there's been a lot of space between us lately well well I'm just gonna tell the truth if there has you've been busy I've been busy I'm a mother I'm a mother you know so the girls have been busy but like I don't know. I guess I guess the question is, is do we even need this anymore? You know what I mean? Like, I feel like that's where we are in our relationship. Like, do we need this anymore? Is this like in vain? Like, what are we doing here? I don't know. I'm just saying it just kind of feels like maybe I don't know. Should I put a seat at the table podcast to sleep? What say you? I know we had big plans, big, big plans, but uh, it is, we just celebrated an anniversary. Um, It has been seven years, six years, I think six or seven years um, that we have been potting together and um, enjoying one another's company. I thank you guys. I don't know, what is this, like almost episode 200 or something like that? Anyway, but yeah, so lots to talk about because you've been moving funny. So yeah, yeah, you. 
<coughs> excuse me, do not make that face at me. I am taking the proper precautions to ensure that no one else is bogged down with my nasty cold or whatever this is. Oh, whatever, yo, fuck your couch. Um, so lots to discuss. Um, so, okay, we had a couple of nice days last week. That turned the hose out. Um, everybody was outside. I think except for me, I didn't really do too much. I, I always feel like this kind of burgeoning into summer um, because spring is pretty much saying like, girl, I got somewhere to go. Move aside, bitch. I got somewhere to go. She's not staying. Doesn't seem like she's here for a long time or a good time. She is not here for our shit. So looks like we were trying to get right directly into summer based on the temps last week. Now, with that said, today we are back to 50 something degrees in, in the New York City area. So after summer's triumphant debut, she also made a very triumphant exit. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Um, if you were already hoeing on those summer days, I really hate to see what your life is going to bring this summer. Slow down a bit. Why don't you? Close your legs to married men. <laughs> I'm just saying. Oop, oop. You don't know my life, bitch. Um, listen, my legs have been close to married, unmarried, um, everybody. It's been close because, bitch, I'm tired. And I hate calling that energy because I'm a huge proponent of mindfulness and what we believe and how that affects our everyday life. Even just kind of going through the work day, if I start to get into the bag of like, oh my God, I'm so tired. Uh, it, it That normally comes for me at the very beginning. Listen, I'm one of those people that like, I'm not tired or hungry or whatever, but I am definitely one of those people who just says those things. Like, <laughs> excuse me. I'm definitely one of those people that's like, oh my God, I'm tired. I don't think I'm tired. I don't think I'm tired though. I think I'll just be saying it sometimes. Don't look at me like I'm the only one who do that shit, bitch. Like, or sometimes you'd be like, mm, I'm hungry. And then you think about it, you'd be like, bitch, you're not hungry. What's your problem? You're not hungry. You're just looking to fill the air with words? Like, what are you saying right now? I know. I know. But part of me becoming conscious is um, kind of not saying those things out loud until or if, if I actually truly feel them. But yeah, I definitely have been one of those people that would like mindlessly say those things like, oh my God, I'm hungry. I'm tired. Not really either one. But, uh, 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 uh. so what's been going on with you? Are you journaling? Are you therapying? Are you like meditating? Are you, what are you doing? You're not doing anything, huh? Are we, have we fallen off the wagon? I'm definitely, um, so I introduced young Stevie to, um, devotional, so if you are unfamiliar, um, 
if you are someone who and I don't even know if this is um reading a devotional or having um or uh using a devotional plan is anything that is specifically um religious based or I I think it's something that's available to everyone um I'm currently using the Bible app and within the Bible app you can develop plans or find plans or devotionals as they are called um that under any kind of um any subject matter or if you want to find a plan based on a bible verse or based on a teaching so if you want to find a plan based on anxiety so they call them plans i grew up knowing them as devotionals and so what they are is um they are usually daily bread. So if you've ever had the Jehovah's Witness or anybody leave you or give you a daily bread booklet, and it is by the day that you take in these um, spiritual plans, and they are normally spearheaded by a Bible verse or ended ending in a Bible verse. And um, they are normally um, biblically associated, these plans or these devotionals. So you might have one about... Uh, Let's just say, for instance, I was once doing a devotional book um, by Bishop Jakes, um, and it really dove into the story of Tamar. And um, that is a very specific Bible story, um, but the... um, the biblical reference also kind of led into him talking about different teachings and different ways that you can um, try to uh, steer your life based off of these plans or devotionals. So I introduced Stevie to devotionals and our subject matter has been abundance and thank and gratitude and it's just me reading them to her and doing deep breaths with her because I don't think that it is ever too early to um, get yourself started on a spiritual, a personal spiritual practice. Now, I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about a personal spiritual practice that will help to ground you in a way. So we were doing them kind of in the morning when we first wake up before we turn on the TV or anything. We get into our phone, we do the devotional. I say our phone because Stevie definitely believes that this phone is hers. But we get into this devotional and, you know, I read them out loud to her and she's very still in the moment and just kind of listening. And it's just a great day to, a great way to start the day. So, that's what I've been doing as a spiritual practice. Now, I'm not going to lie to you because I can't. I have not done a devotional probably in the past week and a half. Um, and that's, and that's I think, kind of the, 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 the chokehold that life can get at with us is the ability to carve out time to do things for yourself um, with consistency that don't immediately yield um, results. You know, I think a lot of us, you know, going to the gym 
as a mind, body, and spirit practice is a beautiful thing, but it also yields daily results if you do it. You know what I mean? Like if you do it, you you can see the results. Taking the time to journal or meditate or do a devotion or pray. Um, you know, I grew up with uh, praying grandmothers and, um, you know, literally seeing them, whether it was kneeling by their bed or um, sitting quietly in their room and just really having that moment. So hopefully you are, you're not abandoning a spiritual practice for yourself. Um, I know that it doesn't, those things again, don't necessarily, you don't do it and get up and be like, oh, well, you know, look at that. I look slimmer already. But what you do for your mind and what you do for your spirit is just bar none um, paramount to anything. I think even before you um, you give prudence to your body, it is important that you are also exercising your spirit um, and your um, mind in that way. So, yeah. Um, so other than that, what else has been going on? Yeah, baby. Oh, you like that, huh? You see what I did there? Um, okay, so let's just get into some slob kebab mess. Um, Marcus Houston, he's talking a lot lately, isn't he? He, I just recently watched um, TV One's Uncensored with him Sunday night. And I don't know what to say, y'all. All right. Because I think that in this post R. Kelly world, I think that there is a lot of post-traumatic stress disorder on a lot of us um, because we've taken so much of that in, so much of the nastiness that has been occurring, um, just predatory behavior towards children, young girls, young boys. Um, pull over real quick because... I know that you guys had to have at least heard about what happened with the Dalai Lama. So the Dalai Lama, um, who was in India for a celebration, uh, he called a young boy onto the stage. The young boy was excited to meet the Dalai Lama and wanted to give him a hug. Now, I believe that this young boy was is nine. And uh, anyways, uh, the Dalai Lama asked the young boy to suck his tongue. And the young boy kind of draws back a little bit and then does it. And the Dalai Lama kind of laughs after um, Mr. Lama uh, did issue a iOS press release via his, um, I guess, PR team. And it was very, um, you know, it's funny because I wish that as deliberate as 
the PR team was about how they handled um, the rhetoric towards this incident. I wish that the Dalai Lama had been that Im implicit about not... Um, not showing and this is this goes beyond him actually letting us into his um predatory behavior um at at this event because to me um what you practice ayad you practice abroad so whatever he did with that little boy he been doing it sorry I don't care if it's a joke. Um, so basically it was released like, uh, oh, his holiness, uh, basically never once did he say that he apologizes. His holiness basically like does stuff like this from time to time. He has a quirky sense of humor. He recognizes that you guys might've been put off by it, but it is Tibetan, um, Tibetan culture to stick your tongue out as a sign of respect. Now, this went beyond sticking your tongue out. You, you had this little boy suck on your tongue. That's not Tibetan culture. And I find it to be quite disgusting that he would reference this country's, this this nation's culture as a reason for his predatory behavior. In no culture should it be acceptable for you to put this kind of nasty, disgusting, disgusting, villainous, predatory, child molesting behavior out there. Um, I found that it was very interesting that people who I know as celebrities who have, you know, worshipped at the feet of the Dalai Lama, none of them had anything to say about this. At, at least if they did, not publicly. And I thought that that was interesting. We're not talking up for kids anymore. We're not talking up for kids anymore. That's wild to me. Just because y'all ate dinner with the Dalai Lama, that don't mean shit. Y'all can't say nothing. Like this is the world that we are living in today. We're living in a world. I remember hearing the Dalai Lama's name um, sprinkled on an episode of the Kardashians, sprinkled on uh, Oprah Winfrey's mouth, sprinkled on different, you know, saying that you have um, met the Dalai Lama carries a certain cachet as a rich person, as a as one of Hollywood's wealthy elite, you know, oh, I've met the Dalai Lama. And so now that you see that Mr. Lama is out here asking little boys to suck his tongue, you quiet? You don't have nothing to say? Mm, I don't know, y'all. Y'all, y'all idols is, whew, baby. Anyway, so post-traumatic stress disorder, we can pull back off now, but post-traumatic stress disorder of um, what it means to be involved in these predatory behavior, uh, relationships. Example, and I, okay, I know this may sound crazy, but I, as a 16, 17 year old, dated a guy who was above 18 I did. 
I mean, if you're going to tell the truth and shame the devil, most of y'all grandparents and parents probably got with each other when y'all was, you know, like the, the difference between 17 and 18 is a day, right? Now, I think when it hits below 17, that it could get a little bit nasty. You know what I'm saying? Not a little bit. It is nasty. But I've definitely, in, at 17, dated somebody who was in college. He was 19, 20, you know, and I didn't feel that it was um, him as a 19 or 20-year-old or even 21 and me being 17. I did not feel at that time. Now, we're talking about a different time. The exposure was very much different. Um it was a different time, but I didn't feel as though I had been taken advantage of um, by an adult predatory man. I remember, ooh, bitch. Okay, I'm about to tell a story, y'all. I remember being 17, maybe even 16, and hanging out with a group of girls from high school. Now, I went to Catholic high school in New York City, Cardinal Spellman, bitch. Shout out to, you guys aren't even the Falcons anymore. I don't even know what you are, but like, if you know, you know. So anyways, um, I was very much, you know, 16 back then was like, I was still going to the library to do research for papers. Like, do you guys, most of you kids probably have never even been to a library before. I come to understand that you bitches don't even know how to write cursive. I'm, I'm gobsmacked. They don't teach cursive anymore. I mean, I guess I get it, but Stevie's going to learn cursive. Oh, you're going to learn. How could you not know? I think, you know what's funny? We're going to get back to Marcus Houston in a minute, but you know what's funny? I find it very interesting that we are um, just really sailing up this river of um, of how much modernity means that we don't need to hang on to anything that is traditional. We don't see any value in anything that we that is traditional. And you guys have the attention span of a dead leaf. So you don't find value in too much. Today you like this album, it just dropped. Next week you're over it. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of the news cycle and the the fast pace to which we receive information with our phone, our cellular mobile devices. Um, I think it has rendered us to the point that anything that takes time, you know, cursive is writing in cursive is an is a thing that it takes time. You know, and it's like we are moving at such a fast pace that we don't have time for that anymore. You know, and I just want to say to you, do not give up everything that any anything even that may hold a little bit of traditional value for you. You know, just because the white man is saying that you don't need to know cursive no more. That don't mean shit. Stop following behind them. Stop following behind the whiteies, man. Okay. Anyways. Shout out to all my white listeners. Hey guys. Hi. Hi. I'm waving like Forrest Gump. Hey. Um, so anyways, uh, so let's pull back over to Marcus Houston. God damn it. If we don't have ADD every time we talk, 
you know, but that's the shine of a beautiful friendship. So anyway, Marcus the fuck Houston. So Marcus Houston. Oh, wait, no, I was telling you about a situation. So, um, oops, <laughs> oops. So anyway, bitch, I went to Cardinal Swell in high school and I hung out with shout out to Noel, shout out to, um, uh, Karemia, shout out to, um, Tara, shout out to all my girls, Ronettes, shout out to Tr- Gertrude, shout out to just my girls, um, from high school. We, we, we thought we were bad. We thought we were some bad bitches and we used to go out, like out, out to the club. Um, there was a a couple of places that we we frequented um and my friend's older sister who was just one of the coolest and remains to be hey naj um remains to be one of the coolest people i know she would you know take us with her to the club or the lounge and you know we were mature enough 17 16 but i remember on one particular night um going out uh my friend's older sister was not there but we were just going out the girls and hanging out at this time you can hang out downtown you could you know go down to the village and just walk around and just meet anybody and on this one particular night um we met Jay-Z and um he was trying to kick it to one of these uh young 17 year old girls that we was with but we never saw it as like anything I don't know maybe I shouldn't have told that story but um you know we we never saw it as at that time anything that was like gross you know, like, I didn't know how old he was, you know, like, we didn't have the internet, we didn't know, um, and it wasn't, like, a serious, like, situation, it was just, like, he pulled over, we was looking cute, he started talking to one of them girls, and it was fun, and it was always fun, it was always like that, so, to hear that a Marcus Houston at 22 met his now wife, Mia Dickey, when she was only 17, years old, I'm sure that a lot of people are triggered by it and actually find it quite disgusting. I think, um, I think for me, the thing that gives me pause when it specifically refers to Marcus Houston and his wife is that Marcus Houston had been a celebrity at that point for more than half his life. And so his exposure to adulthood um, probably came far more early than what a 17-year-old may have. Now, none of us know this girl because it was revealed by her family that she had been estranged um, from her parents, at least, for at least a year or two um, until she became 18 years old, at which time she started to seriously date Marcus Houston. Now, Marcus... um, explained that me and my wife's situation is a little different. When I met my wife, she was 17. So we had no real conversation, no real connection until, you know, she was of age. I don't believe that, but okay. While speaking with journalist um, Marcus opened up about the struggle he has had dealing with women his age, um, which he claims sometimes came with baggage. Marcus went on to say that, um, you know, uh, a red flag for him was women that had kids. Um, 
And he said that no, no offense, nothing against single women or single mothers with children. But for me, they were a red flag. I tip my hat and respect women that are raising children. But when I grew up, I nearly, I never really wanted to have kids, which is interesting since him and his uh, teenage bride wife did eventually have um, a child. So my thing is, it sounds to me like he probably had some latent adolescent work to do himself um, and it really just was immature in a lot of ways, no pun intended. But what say you? Are you disgusted by his 17 to 22 year old uh, dating? And I mean, again, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to lie. I definitely... Tell me that you've never dated anybody who was older than you. I mean, maybe now you look at it and say to yourself like, ooh, that was probably a bad idea. Definitely. And would I want my 17-year-old daughter dating a 22-year-old man? Probably not. Um, Because that would just lead me to know that she's probably ebbing on the groaner side of things in terms of what their times hanging out look like. So, no. Um, so disgraced congressman George Santos is being investigated, who is being investigated by the FBI for lying about his mom being in the South Tower on 9-11 and running off with money that he raised for a dying dog is, um, has a new proposal for the girls and it, um, is making some headlines. Now, George Santos apparently um, is a barb and he is proposed seven new bills. One of them is named after Nicki Minaj. Now, according to the political reporter, um, the Minaj Act establishes a development period for new vaccines in order to generate public confidence. Now, the representative has made quite a name for himself on Capitol Hill, being known for his antics and his proven lies. But what say you about George Santos and the Minaj bill? Now, I think that the irony behind this cannot be lost on me. Now, if you remember during COVID, Nicki Minaj was definitely one of those girls who was like, oops, I don't know, the vaccine, one of my cousins down in the islands, he said that his friends did stop working because he got the vaccine, bitch, watch out. She said that. She said that. So the irony that this lying ass congressman would then propose a bill behind with the name, the Minaj bill, um, which has to do with COVID and a period of time for the vaccine is ironic irony at his best it's hilarious now nikki did go on to um i think she did eventually get the vaccine because she said she had to tour etc 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 but yeah funny huh so that's that with that um so what's up with jonathan majors Oh, yeah, bitch. I know you didn't think we were not going to get into him. Now, the last time we talked about him, we talked about, um, you know, he was on a huge press run for the upcoming movie Creed, which has since 
um, uh, come out and fallen like a dud due to the fact that Jonathan Majors had a little bit of a scandali. Um, I believe the same weekend that the movie premiered. So if you have been living under a rock, um, Jonathan Majors, who was with his longtime white girlfriend in a New York City yellow cab, um, he was in the back of the cab with his girl or back of an Uber, whatever. So picture it. He's in the back. She's back there with him. He's bubbling, bitch. He's been on the cover of Ebony, Esquire, Vanity Fair. He's been doing the rounds. Everybody loves Jonathan Majors. All of the girls, their panties are getting wet for him because, baby, he's out here hugging um, Michael B. Jordan in pictures talking about um, fragile black masculine. And you know, you know nothing gets the girlies more wet than when you start trying to tear down the walls of fragile black masculinity. So we was here I was just here like come on Jonathan Majors we all rooting for you well in one cab ride it all came to an end apparently in this cab ride Jonathan was texting another woman and when his girlfriend got sight of this a physical altercation allegedly ensued and needless to say that I don't know on at what point, but a uh, the police were called. Jonathan was taken into custody, I believe. Um, and after that, a his PR people then released um, information with his girlfriend basically saying but not saying. She was like, oh my God, I'm going to fix this. You know, I didn't mean to get you in trouble. It sounded all very like stockholm -y. And so people were like, well, why did his people rush to get this? This is the way that we're cleaning this up. Well, it seems to be going from bad to worse. Jonathan Majors and his talent manager have uh, reportedly parted ways amid his domestic violence charges. Now, um, his talent manager, um, Entertainment 360, they say that they are no longer working with Majors as he is currently facing domestic violence charges. Now, he is due to appear before a judge on May 8th. Now, it's so funny because when I experienced domestic violence, um, my, my, I did all of the things I actually experienced it and I did all the things to get this person, you know, like to get this person held accountable. And uh, honestly, like it wasn't all it is. It, it didn't give this, you know, so I'm just, I'm just curious as to like why she, why he gets to stand before a judge to answer to his crimes and mine didn't have to stand before a judge to answer. I mean, listen, we're getting lost. So, um, I don't know. I, I don't, I, I, this is like, this is, seems to be heading from bad to worse for Mr. Majors. Um, I haven't heard shit about move the movie Creed since, um, since all of this has occurred. And, um, from what I did hear from people who saw the movie, they actually thought that it was a really great movie. I'm sure Michael B. Jordan has to be punching the air right now. He has to be because like you put this nigga in your movie and God damn it. All the nigga had to do was just keep his motherfucking hands to himself. That's all he had to do. That's all he had to black ass do 
and he couldn't do it. Bitch, gag. So, um, yeah, uh, prayers to all parties involved is all I have to say. And, um, yeah. So, speaking of prayers to all parties involved, Jamie Foxx, um, has been hospitalized now for more than a week in Georgia after his daughter revealed that the act, the actor experienced a medical complication. Um, now no further information has been released, although rumors have been circulating that what Jamie experienced was actually a stroke. Um, again, no, no real information has been released regarding now. Jamie Foxx is fairly young, if I'm not mistaken. I don't believe that he is. I would say that Jamie Foxx, do we know how old Jamie Foxx is? Um, I would think at the most, maybe in his mid fifties. Yeah. Jamie Foxx, who is, whose real name is uh Eric Marlin Bishop. Um he is 55 years old and yeah, the mystery is still out regarding Jamie Foxx and the quote-unquote medical complication that he has experienced. Now, um apparently he was filming um, a movie called Back in Action, um, out there in uh, out there in Atlanta. Now the movie is also starring Cameron Diaz and Glenn Close, so that sounds definitely interesting. Now the movie has continued filming despite uh, Jamie Foxx's medical situation. Now, um, luckily, due to quick action of the people around him, um, there are reports that saying that he is on his way to recovery. Um, now, despite the family statement, again, about him improving, can't go unsaid that he is still in an Atlanta area hospital. So definitely praying for Jamie and his family, his daughters, um, and everyone around him. I know Tyrese had a lot to say about this. He recently came out and said that he is blaming everyone around Jamie for Jamie's uh, medical emergency. Wasn't sure what he meant by that. I, f I feel like every time I hear somebody talk like that, it's drugs, but that's all alleged. Nobody knows that to be true. You know, I, um, listen, it'll never be lost on me how casual drug use is, um, for people who consider themselves well off. Now, I'm not saying that that is what happened to Jamie Foxx. I, I, I don't know him, you know, and I don't know what he's going through. I'm just prayerful that he's okay and that he has the resources to come out on the other side of this. Um, but as you know, sometimes all the money in the world can't save you from fate, you know? So, yeah, I don't mean to be doom, like, uh, you know, doom and gloom, but I'm just saying, you know, um, yeah. So what else? Ralph Yarl. Ralph Yarl. Ralph Yarl. Ralph 
y'all. Um, and I want to continue to say his name um, because I believe that we are now becoming fully desensitized by the amount of murders um, that we are seeing in this country. You know, the amount of it, you know, if you are not someone, I am someone who follows the news cycle. Um, I grew up reading newspapers. I grew up um, talking to my parents and my grandpa about um, current events. Um, You know, that's how you proved to him that you could read, you know, like, oh, what did you read? You know, I read that this was happening. Okay, tell me about it. You know, probably just one of the old relics like cursive writing that uh, you guys have banished away. But I still watch the news and um, it can be completely overwhelming at times because it's almost like the news has joined in with um, making money from our pain. You know, there's nothing... Uh, good to be spoken of anymore. It is more stories like Ralph Yarl, a young man who was, um, who accidentally rang the doorbell of the wrong house in Kansas City, Missouri. He was trying to pick up his younger siblings. Now, the white 84-year-old homeowner shot young Ralph Jarl in his forehead and uh he sustained um and he sustained another injury as well he shot again you know so after he shot him once in the forehead he shot him again even though Ralph was already uh down on the ground now um the 84-year-old homeowner, Andrew Lester, was initially not charged with a crime. He has since been charged with first-degree assault and armed criminal action. Prosecutors said that there was obviously a racial component to this case. Um, Mr. Andrew Lester said that due to Jarl's size, he became fearful and decided to shoot. Now, this is not the only case recently of a young child being shot um, in New York, upstate New York. A group of, uh, a group of people were in a car searching for a home. And they turned into the driveway of a wrong address. Um, And um, the the young lady, a young young girl, a young girl, Kaylin Gillis, 20 years old, was shot by the homeowner who saw. Now, these people didn't even get out the car. They were in their car making a U-turn Laverne trying to get out of this person's driveway when he came out on his porch and shot his gun twice. One of those bullets fatally killing Kaylin 
Gillis. And this took place in Hebron, New York. Um, I don't know when enough is going to be enough. I, I don't know. What I do know is that um, the political powers as it be um, are not afraid to sacrifice your child, their children, or anything else for that matter. It doesn't matter if it is school, a supermarket, a nightclub, a 16-year-old birthday party um, down in, I believe, Alabama over the weekend. Um, a rising football star was killed at his, um, uh, I believe, at his sister's 16, sweet 16 birthday party. I, I just, I am, I am gobsmacked. I am wowed. I will always be wowed by how much the powers that be will sacrifice in the name of holding on to their guns, you know? And ultimately my thought process is hold on to the guns because when they do, not if they do, but when they do realize what we have done in this country and they are able to rise up against us, they going to kick our ass. So we got to keep these guns because when all of the have nots realize what has happened in this country, no, 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 every, every weapon formed against us. Yeah, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty sickening. It's, it's pretty sickening. And I just, I hope that we are eventually in a place that um, we can get past this. Um, well, I'm in no rush, but apparently Frank Ocean was. Frank Ocean performed at this weekend's Coachella. Now, other than his set, pretty much everyone said that Coachella went off without a hitch. However, um, Frank showed up hours late for his performance, um, causing him to have to end his performance early due to a curfew. Um, and he said that an injury, now it's being released, that an injury to his ankle is what caused last-minute production changes to his show. Now, TMZ is reporting that Frank Ocean injured his ankle during a bike accident just days before his scheduled performance at Coachella. Now, the accident happened during rehearsals, and doctors advised Frank to make the necessary set changes to stay safe. Now, the original production, which involved an ice skating ring, with 100 hockey players. The hockey players arrived to Coachella grounds just to hear that the set arrangements were scrapped. Instead, they would become Frank's background dancers. Now, the upside is that um, all of them were reportedly gifted custom Prada for their trouble. But the girls were very upset about Frank. Um, they said that... Um, most of his set was performed behind a screen. They said that he did not do any of his most popular songs, or at least not many of his most popular songs. Um, he did a lot of renditions, although most of the people are saying that the renditions were absolutely beautiful. Um, you know, 
listen, to me, Frank Ocean is very much like, uh, he's basically Lauren Hill. He's basically Lauren Hill. If he comes, when he comes, whatever he gives, you just take it and you go. If you are still falling for the old, the old okie doke Frank Ocean is performing routine, then you might deserve this. I'm sorry. I don't think that he's known for you know, really showing up. Listen, listen, I love Frank Ocean. I think he is fine. I think his voice is has really garnered a lot of strength in the last couple of years. Um, and I know that he has suffered a great loss. Um, he even told the story at Coachella about um, having fond memories of him and his brother dancing in the tents, um, listening to Tyler uh, perform. Um, so, you know, I, I, I imagine that it had to be hard for him to go back to this place that he so much enjoyed with his young brother. If you recall, Frank lost his brother in a car accident, um, in recent years. Um, so, you know, I am, I think uh, from snippets that I've seen, I think that he sounded beautiful, um, I understand that you might not have been there to hear him sing covers. Um, you might have wanted him to sing, um, but do you not think so? Ahead. I mean, you probably came for that, but he was like, no girl, this is what you're going to get. What you ordered versus what you got. Sorry. Well, last but not least, speaking of predatory behavior, Jalen Hurts has become the highest paid player in NFL history, honey. His five-year contract, which is worth $225 million. He just recently um, signed. And I am extremely, extremely um, happy for Jalen. Now, um... Jalen, who you guys all know, is represented by a beautiful barrage of black women, agent and PR person that he works for works with. Um, now, according to multiple reports confirmed by Yahoo Sports, the five year, two hundred and fifty five million dollar contract also includes over one hundred and seventy nine million dollars in guarantees and will make Hertz the highest player in NFL history. Now, just yesterday, the Philadelphia Eagles announced the extension, um, and uh, the guaranteed money is the second most in the league, just behind um, nasty old Deshaun Watson. And I call him nasty because what he was doing at the massage parlors. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um... Hertz's agent, Nicole Lynn, negotiated a no-trade clause, a first of its kind for this contract. Now, Jalen Hurts is 24 years old. He just finished his third season with the Eagles. And 2022, he obviously made massive strides bringing the Eagles to the NFC championship, which they lost in a nail biter 38 to 35 to the Kansas city 
chief. I prefer to not remember that, but fine. Um, so yeah, congratulations to him. Now, beyond that, Jalen Hurts also just did a really smooth, um, video. I guess he will be, uh, Essence Magazine's new, um, cover, uh, man for the month of May. So, um, yeah, that's also exciting. Um, in the new online article, which was published just this Monday, um, Jalen Hurts basically talks um, with Essence 2023 men's issue reporter Danielle Smith um, about uh, just a flurry of things, being a shot caller um on the Eagles team and how it was particularly um heartbreaking for him to lose the Super Bowl especially in front of Rihanna um and he talked about um just being a a Gen Z athlete and what that means um you forget you want to forget that he is as young as he is, but yes, girl, he is 24. Say it with me, 24. Okay. Um, um, you know, Nicole Lynn, who is his agent, she kind of laughs at all of the attention and says that basically, um, Jalen is like her little bro. And, um, you know, she said she sees all of you guys' DMs and um, she is coining Jalen as being the hybrid of Kobe Bryant and Beyonce. She said that he has quite the following and, you know, she says that he doesn't give you a lot in public. Even when you're talking to him, you want more. You don't really know him. He's not intentionally secretive, but naturally has an elusive quality to him. And that is how she compares him to Beyonce. She said, um, that's Beyonce. This kind of elusiveness. It makes you want to know them. It makes you want to root for them. I agree with her. And as for the late Kobe Bryant, Jalen's got uh, the Kobe obsessive work ethic, shooting for greatness, and he is never satisfied. I love that for him. Now, listen, every time we talk about somebody in this way, next thing you know, they got a scandali heading up their alley. So please don't roll no beautiful beam footage about Jalen Hurts because we don't want it. Okay. I don't want to have no regrets about Jalen Hurts. All right, let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and we'll set the table. And we are back. So you know what we do. Every time we're about to leave each other, we have got to set the table. Now, this is just an opportunity for you and I to pull up and really have a sister-to-sister moment. I'll be to you, be Tamara. Um, and it's just a moment for us to get centered and grounded on any mindful act, right? So, as I told you, I am... I have been doing devotionals based on um, abundance and gratitude. But one of the other things that I have been working on 
through therapy, um, or at least trying to, I'm looking for another therapist, more on that later, um, is my belief system. Now, I'm a Christian. So there is my spiritual belief, um, which to me connects all other things. And then there are the things that I believe about myself or that I believe about life, right? So one of the things that makes me a Christian is not the church that I go to. It's not the tithes that I pay. It's not the choir that I used to sing on. It's not the church that I was baptized in. It's not, you know, the mounds of parochial schools that I've gone to, Catholic school, Seventh-day Adventist school, um, Methodist college. It's none of that. It is what I believe. I believe that God is the maker of heaven and earth and he was um, transgressed from my iniquities and he has risen again in all power to uh, guide and protect me and to love me. I believe that there is no desire in my heart that cannot be fulfilled by God. I believe that the universe and God are both aligned to see my better good be achieved in this earthly format. I believe that. I believe all of those things. I believe that the job or jobs that I've been sent here to do, that it is my obligation as um, a spiritual being to complete those jobs at its highest or else my whole time here was a waste. But there are other beliefs that I also deal with from time to time. You know, I was a person who believed that my self-worth was based a lot on what people thought about me, how people felt about me. One of the transformations that I've been experiencing is um, transforming and evolving relationships. Um, I've had friends that I no longer, you know, you know, the delicacy of, of, of the friendship uh, we are no longer friends. You know what I mean? So to put to put your belief system in another human, um, it's got to be a, a, a setup for failure. Because as, as the winds change, so do people in the way that they feel about you. So see, that is why it's almost imperative that me, I put my belief systems in something bigger than me, something that does not change, something that does not evolve, something that does not feel different about me tomorrow, something that does not um, look at my faults and say, well, that's a reason for me not to be around, you know? And it's so interesting how the human, the human, human interaction you know, and resting your, your self-worth and your laurels based off of what people think of you, how dangerous that can feel or can be. You know, when you are convinced that um, someone thinks poorly of you or, um, you know, you're un incapable or what have you, it oftentimes can lead to bouts of self-confidence issues, self-worth issues. But again, 
That is why your self-worth and what you believe cannot be based on what is outside of you. Now, one of the other things that I often deal with is um, that somehow the past or even that I've dealt with is that somehow the past will color my future and nothing could be further from the truth. A lot of people experience some major fucking setbacks, you know, makes it seem like your goals are just not achievable. And over time, you can become discouraged and disinterested and disenfranchised with the idea that failure can come as a result of risk. But if you understand that um, all risk takes a, a certain amount of effort, you'll understand that holding yourself back from from pursuing anything just because of something that happened to you in the past is going to stifle you from making significant achievements. One of the things that we talked about at the beginning of this show was like, do you guys even want this show anymore? Do you feel like you, you know, it's something that's useful to you? Um, I never got into doing this show because I wanted to be famous Um, I wanted a lot of people to hear it, but I don't necessarily know that fame was for me, at least the byproduct that I had been searching for. I wanted to impact people's lives, bring a little funny to them and bring a little serious to them as well. Um, you know, one thing that I realized is that My destiny is not controlled by like some luck or fate or some sort of divine intervention. The people far too commonly believe that, um, you know, their destiny is somehow supernatural. You know, like, oh, well, I don't got it like everybody else. I'm not going to just walk into good luck. No, it takes effort. It takes consistency. It takes continued education. It takes willing to make mistakes. It takes you getting yourself up off the ground, dusting yourself off when things have not matriculated in the way that you want them to and moving, having the gumption to move forward. That's a lot of work for some people, but for you, not at all. You got it in you. Listen, you know above anybody else that the whole idea that uh, divine intervention or luck is um, silly. It's a belief that robs you that um, making some sort of really passionate effort towards the things that you want makes things possible. It has you believing that if you just kind of passively approach life, luck will will grab you by the by the choke, by the neck and 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 bring you to your final destiny. And nothing could be further from the truth. Now, one of the things that I do continue to work on is my emotions. Um, How to be cognizant of them in the present Um, And how to allow myself the time to not have external events rob me of 
um, robbed me of um, the beauty of the right now. You, you got to get out of your own head. You got to see situations from other people's standpoint. You got to stop believing that you and what you believe are always on point. Emotions are fickle and they're liars. Emotions are liars. How many times have you had a knee-jerk reaction to something only the next day to feel like, bitch, it's not even that serious. It's whatever. But the moment has passed and you've made irreputable damage. You know, I recently had a situation where myself and someone um, had a heated discussion. And, you know, it was definitely not the type of heated discussion that I felt like would sever the bond of our relationship. Um, However, in the moment, I think things were said and done that almost made an embarrassing factor kind of mount up to say, well, now we can never. Now, I don't live by that stance because as far as I'm concerned, I feel like there is room for her. Now, I have boundaries, but there's room for her. And nothing, nothing grinds my gears more than when specifically women feel like there's room for her in romantic relationships in their life, but not room for her in friendship relationships in their life. It grinds my gears. Those are always, to me, not girls' girls. Those are girls who are just looking to be chosen by any means necessary. Listen, emotions don't often accurately reflect what is objective reality. It's important that you are able to get present in most moments and even to give yourself space in most moments to properly respond. The sun, the, the tongue can be a sword or it can give life. It's up to you to decide. Now, last but not least, your goals to do things perfectly sometimes can leave you in a real imperfect mess. Now, if you're someone who believes that the only time that things can really come to a head for you is when they are aligned perfectly, you're basically robbing yourself of the ability to really press forward in your life, regardless of the fact that things may not always be perfect. See, sometimes rather than doing what's necessary, people often chase perfectionism. And they blame that for the reason why they aren't able to achieve their desires. Now, if you are suffering from the disease to please or, um, you know, um, analysis paralysis, waiting for things to be perfect in order for you to say that they work for you, you're robbing yourself. Things aren't always going to be perfect, but press forward. And what you believe does matter. Do you really believe that you'll come out on the other side? Do you really believe that abundance is there for you? Do you really believe that all of the desires of your heart can be met? Well, before you start working towards those desires, work towards your beliefs. 
It'll take you further than you've ever imagined. Thank you guys so much for listening. Let me know what you think. Should we press forward with the show or should we end it? I'm serious. I mean, honestly, I am always just thankful for you guys to allow me the time to um, listen to me and for us to have a key together. And, you know, the tides are changing. So I'm always interested in here for you guys, but I'm always wanting to know that I'm doing what's right by my audience. So I love you guys so much for listening. I look forward to hearing what you guys think about us retiring a seat at the table. God bless you. Peace.